and welcome to the Tight Lads Podcast with your hosts Jordan Donnelly, Abby O'Neill and Chesney Forks-Porter. Enjoy. Hello everybody, good to see you. I am of course joined today by the other two members of Destiny's Child. Kelly, can you handle this? It's Abby O'Neill. Say hello Abby. Hello. And Michelle, can you handle this? It's Chesney Fox Porter. Say hello, Chesney. Hello, Chesney. And welcome to Thailand. And guys, I actually <laughs> I want to address something real quick before we get into today's episode. So I realized that we never actually explained the origins of the name of our podcast. I was on a Zoom call the other day with someone that I don't know personally um, and I mentioned the podcast and this person said, oh yeah, I think I seen something about that on Twitter, but I didn't click on it because I thought it was porn. (laughs) (laughs) So just to be just to clear a few things up, I'm (laughs) sure you have all heard of the popular daytime show Loose Women. Well, we decided to flip that on its head and be the tight lads. I understand it feels anticlimactic having to explain it on episode 12. But anyway. Uh, in fairness, the- in fairness, we did explain it in our original episode one about a year and a half ago, which, got take, which we uh, took down. Needless to say, we are not porn. We have never been porn. However, I am currently on a little bit of a weight loss journey right now. So I definitely might start doing porn if there's a demand. (laughs) But anyway, so, all right, guys, I know that we usually have a bit more of a theme that we invite our guests on to talk about, but sometimes we just fancy a bit of a catch up. So welcome to our first installment of A Cuppa and a Catch Up. And today we are joined by not only a friend of us, but a friend of the podcast. Please give a warm tight lads welcome to the one, the only, Elsa Grace Waterfield. Hello! I'm very excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. I'm in the house. Elsa, we are so excited to have you. And we are very excited for this cuppa and a catch-up. I don't think any of us currently have a cuppa, but we'll not talk about it. So, we're just going to talk. We're just going to talk, have a chat. Also, we are going to talk about the music, your music, in a bit. But first of all, I want to talk about lockdown and how you've been dealing with that. We talk a lot about this sort of thing already, but all musical theatre grads, especially 2020 grads, have been put in a very strange position where they have kind of been laser focused on one thing and one thing only for three years. And in your third year, every day feels like the final countdown till you're like thrown in the lion's cage. And all of a sudden, everything stops, everything shuts. The one thing you have spent kind of three years gearing up for all of a sudden is non-existent and your training comes to an immediate finish i can't speak for abby and chesney but i know that for myself that had such an impact on me that this installment was almost called identity crisis because that's what i definitely went through that's what i think a lot of other people went through and are still going through so 
how was the initial lockdown for you? Just kind of talk me through it. So I think I speak for a lot of uh, musical theatre people, maybe not all, but um, like we really like heavily rely on structure. And especially when it comes to our course, it's so structured, you know, we get up at 7am sometimes earlier and we don't get home till 8pm. And like, that's something that is a massive part of um, musical theatre courses. And when that went, it was just the strangest feeling. Um, and I'm someone who relies on that really heavily. So when it was then up to me to try and recreate that in my um, childhood bedroom, it was just, it was just so bizarre. And I couldn't get my head around it for so long. And then when I finally did get my head around it, I was, I was almost trying to be this version of myself that I thought I had to be. So I was, I was seeing, as I'm sure you can also, you can also relate to this as well. Like I was seeing what everyone else was doing on social media. I was seeing their routines and their schedules and that's fine. Like different things work for different people, but then there's a part, you know, there's this part in your, there's this like little voice in your head going, Oh, well, if that's what they're doing, then that's what I should be doing. And really like, that's just not the case at all. And I think it wasn't until I just realized, you know, just go at your own pace. No one's, no one's here to tell you, you know, there's no one, there's no one here forcing you to do anything. So, um, and that's probably when I find, I found I, I enjoyed lockdown more, especially the first one, not so much this one, <laughs> but that's when I found I enjoyed the first one more. It was when I just stopped like putting pressure on myself because also we've been through the most like, Music, the musical theatre course, there's so much pressure that comes with that anyway. So um, why were we then putting pressure on ourselves when we didn't have to do it anymore? That just seems so bizarre to me. But um, maybe it's because we're so used to it. Maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, when I just stopped putting pressure on myself is when I realised that it didn't have to be as stressful as it, I was making it. Um, but this one, not so much. The weather doesn't help. It's so grim outside. Actually, it's getting nicer at the moment. But yeah, this one has not been um, as nice as lockdown one or two. It has been a lot, a lot more grim, I would say. I, I can see you guys uh, nodding your heads, agreeing with me. It's just not been as nice, has it? Well, I think the first lockdown was weird because when we first got that email to say that we were closed that the drama school was closing um and that we were going into a lockdown we were very much like oh it's fine we'll be back in three weeks and that sort of we sort of held on to that for quite a while we think of oh we'll be back soon it's not going to last for long and then it was coming to that realization that i'm not going back this is it like i'm ending my degree online I'm not going to have my graduation this year and sort of trying to process all of those things. It was difficult. And especially because we were all like, like you said, in your childhood bedroom, everyone had gone home for lockdown on most people trying to, which is all was also a weird place to be after living in London for three years, suddenly you're back home trying to like work your life out and then finishing your degree online. I just found it really hard to be motivated, to be honest, to do anything. Um, and like you said, there was the kind of pressure that you put on yourself when you're seeing what other people were doing of, oh, I should be doing that as well. And especially as well, because everyone, we were all trying to get agents at the time as well. So it was about being proactive and putting yourself out there, 
even though we didn't know what we were going to be going into, if there was going to be any industry to go into. Um, and then, yeah, compare, and I think it was hard, but for some reason, I've, like you said, also I found this lockdown so much harder. Um, and I think it's just the first one, there was a lot of uncertainty and we still have that now, but it's just like we had, there was hope in the first lockdown. And I feel like that hope is a lot smaller now. And even like when we had this announcement the other day um, of the plan coming out of lockdown, I'm still not excited about getting back to normal life because I just feel anxious about it. And I don't feel like this date of June 21st is realistic to be honest um and I'm just finding it really difficult to be positive coming out the other side that everything's just going to go back to before um especially with like leading up to Christmas it was oh you're going to get to spend Christmas with your family and then that was suddenly just taken away again so I don't know why um but I just I'm finding it a lot more difficult at the moment to yeah be positive Michelle Thank you. Um, so I, I sort of, I had a bit of a sort of like a roller coaster of um, of the lockdown process because genuinely for myself, lockdown one was one of the best times of my life. Like because I, you know, I'm admitting to it here. I was one of those um, knobheads on Instagram that was really productive and did loads of stuff, and I, I'm well aware of that. And I made that very obvious at the time when I was doing my, you know, my live workouts and all that rubbish. And we were out, I was out in the sunny Torquay garden every day, having a good time. I just want to say, Chesney, that was great though. Like that wasn't a negative thing at all. <laughs> and also I bet, Chesney, there was times in your day, at least, you know, maybe there wasn't, <laughs> but maybe there was times in the day where you also had slight lows. Mm, yeah, so th this, is, this is the thing. So yeah. like... For, for the majority of lockdown one, I was having a great time. But then there would be, there would be times when I'd sort of be realised that I'd been sat in front of my PlayStation for the last 10 hours and have gone, oh, actually, I've, I've not moved. I've not spoken to anybody for a while. This feels a bit weird. But there was, there was never any, like, genuinely, like, any extended period of time in lockdown one where I really sort of felt low. But then on the absolute flip side, lockdown two came along just that month long one. And it was one of the worst periods of my life. Like lockdown two just ruined me. And I don't know what it was about it. I think it was just the fact that, you know, like we didn't, we weren't sort of, we thought we might end up in another lockdown, but like we sort of had this hope of we'd got out of the first one, we'd got over the worst of it. And then all of a sudden we hear, we're going into lockdown for another month. And it just sort of like, I was like, nah, I'm done. I did nothing productive. I'd stopped all of the live stuff that I was doing. Uh, there was no gym. I wasn't doing any coursework or PT work. I was just lying in bed, playing FIFA all day. Do you think, this is just more on a personal note, do you think the sexual tension between me and you made it worse? <laughs> See, the issue is, Jordan, was that um, I think the issue was is because you'd moved out by this point. Um, so I think it was the lack of sexual tension that was what was sort of really getting me down. Cause I think sort of our connection sort of drove me through the day. So when you left, it, it sort of just, you know, bummed me right out. I hear this time and time again, you're not the first and you won't be the last. I didn't mean to bring up 
old wounds on the pod. <laughs> Sorry, Chesney, keep talking. I didn't mean to. Oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but then I, I would say I've sort of found the balance in lockdown three. And I think it's because I don't really feel like I've been in a lockdown because I've, I've, I've got a real person job um, working, at, uh, working at tech support for John Lewis, um, which has meant like up until this week, um, the week of recording, I've been in the office for most of it. So like, I've actually been traveling to and from work every day. I've met new people. Um, so like it doesn't, I don't really feel massively like I've been in a lockdown situation. So I sort of have this nice balance where I sort of feel like I'm in a normal headspace, but it's taken the guts of a year to get there. Another thing kind of along the uh, finding balance, finding balance, I wanted, well, the main thing I have struggled with, especially more so over the recent months, is staying motivated. Because before this all happened, it felt like your life depended on booking a job. That was the priority. Then once COVID hit, your priority was literally trying not to die from a virus. And now that we hopefully are coming out the other side, I am struggling to find balance because we are still having to prioritize the important stuff, aka not dying. But at the same time, I do have this thing in the back of my head that when things do come back, my voice has went to shit, my dance abilities went to shit, I haven't sang in six months, that feels completely alien to me now. It's been difficult for me to, re, to relight the fire, I think would be a good way of putting it, especially because I don't think it's going to be an easy road back into the industry, especially not for 2020 grads or the year above or the year below. So Elsa, how have you been doing with that? Are you managing to find like any kind of balance? Honestly, it fluctuates so much. Um, it depends. It massively depends on my mood. Uh, did I have a good night's sleep? Anything. It just depends on so much at the moment. And um, some days um, I feel really motivated. And others, I literally just want to sit on the sofa and eat ice cream and not move all day because I just am in such a bad mood. Um, I think it's just so, so important not to put pressure on yourself. Um, and remember that everyone listening to this podcast, well, every musical theatre graduate listening to this podcast feels the exact same way. Like you are not the only person who feels like this. And when things do start to um, open up again and we do start to go to actual real life auditions, everyone there is shitting themselves just as much as you are. Like, oh, I just, the more you try and remind yourself of that, I just think it will do you so much good because you're not alone and like, we're not alone. Like everyone has had these feelings of anxiety and doubt and am I good enough? Uh, you know, um, am I still talented enough to get back into an audition room in a few months time? The answer is yes, you are. And also that everyone else feels like that too. So don't feel like you're the only one who feels like that. Um, and it's so, so valid to feel like that too. Like, it's been the, the craziest year. Like, it's, you couldn't have even imagined something like this was going to happen. Um, and everyone who is also on the other side of the audition panel, well, I hope so, will be on our side. And they'll also have feelings of, of anxiety and doubt too. Similar of, to Elsa, what Elsa was saying in terms of like, it comes in waves. 
Um, but it's not, for me, it's not necessarily motivation. It's more time. I like, I do actually have the time to do stuff, but because I'm working so much, my days off are my time like for myself to do the stuff that I need to do. And I find it difficult to separate my time off of, right, this is the stuff I need to do and this is the stuff I want to do. So I tend to not really get around to doing singing practice or the stuff that I know I really want to do because I'm either tired from work or I know I've got to clean or do whatever else in my life. And I think that's the thing is striking that balance for me at the moment between my work life and like surviving and paying my rent and then also keeping that my actual career path going alongside that. Yeah, I mean, Abby, I'm saying this from a position of privilege. I've lived at home um, with my mum, dad and my sister for the past six months now, more than that. And I've also been on furlough. So those days when I find motivation, which I'm sure you have found as well, Abby, you've probably been at work. So if you wanted to act upon that, you can't. And I've been lucky to be in a situation recently where if I have had like a small wave of motivation, I've been in a position where I can. I'm speaking massively from a position of privilege where not everyone can do that at the moment. You know, even those days when they find that they, there's a glimmer of motivation and, and they want to they do something with it because of the situation that they're in, they haven't been able to. Um, yeah, so I completely understand what you mean, Abby. I'm very, very similar in the current situation I'm in at the moment. Uh, with Abby in the sense that you know I'm I'm working a lot and then so it's trying to find that balance between doing the things you want to do and things you need to do but where me and Abby differ is that Abby prioritizes the things she needs to do I prioritize <laughs> the things I want to do and so all the stuff that I need to actually get done and any you know stuff that you know if I don't do it at some point um, the tax man will probably get me um, that gets left to the very last minute uh, whereas, you know, if I want to go and uh, write a, a monologue or I want to sit and watch Rick and Morty for four hours, then that's what's going to get done because I have zero motivation for anything admin related currently. We have kind of, we've spoken about this before as well, but I think naturally creative people will have found this time hard. And I've said this before, but I know that if I don't have some kind of like creative outlet, I struggle mentally like big time. And I feel like passion projects are so important. I feel like they're always important anyway, but especially now, uh, making the podcast, making stupid shit on Instagram, like is that's what's kind of working for me right now. Um, for other people that can be starting a side hustle it can be making covers it can be writing their own script or play but Elsa you have taken that to like a whole new level at the minute and you are now releasing original music so the first thing I want to know is that I know that you wrote Honey High a while ago but you've just released another song and I'm kind of curious as to whether you've been sitting on these songs for a long time and maybe didn't really feel the need or want to put them out there or whether most of this has kind of came about because of lockdown and you have the time on your hands but listen yeah um so I'd say when I was about 15 I started writing like a lot of poetry um and uh, a lot of like short stories things like that I was I just um had a had a big interest in 
fiction and storytelling. And then when I was about, uh, probably about 16, my dad um, told me to come to an open mic night at our local jazz bar, because um, my dad is a huge jazz fan. And I was just like, no, I'm not gonna come. Like, I've got other things to do tonight, dad. Um, anyway, I saw La La Land that night, which is one of my favorite films. And it inspired me to go. And I remember turning up and I sang um, a jazz standard called Lullaby of Birdland with an amazing jazz trio called the Status Trio from Leicester. And oh, they're just so, so such talented men. And I then started doing a lot of songwriting with them. From that, it was like a great kind of relationship that was made. Um, and I, I was like, I have these, you know, these, these poems, these lyrics, like maybe we could put it to a tune. And they were like, yeah, sure. And then I think it just, that's kind of where I started to then go into songwriting, um, you know, more so than just poetry. And I started to put the two together and I really started to enjoy it. Um, and then before I went to, you know, I was also dating a guy who was in a band from Leicester and I remember just always think just being so inspired because they he was a songwriter as well and I just remember always being inspired by singer songwriters it was just something that I just I envied so much because even though I was doing a little bit myself I wasn't quite I wasn't doing it all the time it was something that I didn't I also didn't feel like I was worthy of because I don't play an instrument so I remember just feeling a bit like oh well I yeah I do I call myself a singer-songwriter? Like, is that really something that I could say about myself? Because I don't play. And that was just always in the back of my mind as well. And then I then started dating Dave, as you know, uh, David Lovegrove. And I remember I showed him some of my music. Um, and, you know, he was saying, this is great. You know, why haven't you done anything with this? And then I basically just explained to him, like, I, I don't know, I... I wouldn't call myself a singer-songwriter. I, I don't play an instrument, so I've never really thought that I could do anything with it. And I remember him just looking at me and just, I, I think he just laughed at me. And he was like, why on earth would you, would you think that? You know, just because you don't play an instrument doesn't mean that what you, the material in front of me isn't, you know, worthy of being shown to people. And I, I guess he kind of made me realize that, um, you know, he was right. And then in our third year of uh, uni, we had a module where we could submit our own piece of uh, original performance. And I had recently been reading a book by a guy called Will, Dar uh, Will Derbyshire, who uh, is a YouTuber, um, blogger, writer. And the book was called This Modern Love. And basically it was a collation of love notes and uh, submissions from all around the world of people ex you know just sharing their their experiences with love and I was really inspired by that and I thought oh wouldn't it be great if there was some kind of musical or a piece of theatre that reflected this um, so I decided to write a song which is called Honey High and I showed this to my class thinking, oh my God, they're going to hate this so, so much. Um, because, I don't know, I just think I thought, uh, you know, a, a lot of my year was massive musical theatre fans. And I am, like, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge musical theatre fan. But in my spare time, I don't really listen to a, a load of musical theatre. I'd say I probably listen to other genres more. 
so I remember thinking, oh, they're just not gonna like it. You know, it's not really empty. Um, it's not their vibe. Anyway, I played the song and people really liked it. Um, and I got picked as well. And then I got given um, a group of people to continue um, this piece with, and we created a, a really beautiful piece piece of theatre, in my opinion. It was so lovely. Um, and it wasn't just my work involved as well. It was um, the other members of the, of the group. Enya Lachlan also wrote a song, which was beautiful. Um, and Daniel composed some music as well. Um, and then from, from the reception that I got from that, it just kind of, it made me realize that what Dave said was right. Like, why am I limiting myself just because I can't play an instrument? Um, and I started to take myself a bit more seriously. And then when lockdown happened, I had all this spare time on my hands and I just started writing even more. And yeah, I, I just started to get, get more creative with it and, and wrote more songs. <laughs> I am genuinely trying not to make this, you know, a, an episode of just blowing smoke up your ass the entire time because it could very, very easily go that way. But something that I am a massive fan of when it comes to you and your music and this might be this might be something to do with the theatre background but everything follows a narrative and for the most part it feels intentional which I love just because most music these days to me sounds like a cat being shoved in a blender like it doesn't there's no intention it's just white noise to me whereas your stuff is direct it's intentional you're like with because I'm so theatrically minded anyway when I listen to a song I'm like oh I'm in the room she's smoking a cigarette like this is this is how my mind works um I just want to turn everything into a musical basically is the moral of the story but because of the fact that your songs do follow kind of a narrative and that they are it kind of makes them very adaptable for the stage was that intentional and do you think your theatre background was automatically gonna influence the kind of music that you produce? Yeah for sure I definitely think um, my writing is influenced by uh, musical theatre. Um, I think for me one of the main reasons that I fell in love with musical theatre when I was younger was its ability to storytell and, and transport you to this this fictional universe or or place and and just completely you're just so absorbed aren't you and when you're when you're in a theater it feels like you're the only person sitting there you and and the actors and um I've just always loved that aspect of theater so I think with my writing it's really important that I try and create a narrative with my lyrics um because I know when I'm listening to lyrics or just music in general, that's something that's, that stands out massively for me. And it's, it's so interesting to me because I know that's so different for everyone. For example, my dad, uh, he, bless him, like, he obviously loves um, the songs that I've written and he loves those of different kinds of music, but he just doesn't get lyrics at all. Like, you know, if I try and like, apart from Sondheim, that's the only thing I think he probably would would say that he like has properly listened to the lyrics for. Um, but yeah, when I, I, I remember having conversations with my dad in the past about, oh, isn't that such a good lyric? And he genuinely is so baffled. He doesn't understand what I'm on about. He's like, what, you listen to them? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dad. 
Yeah, quite a few people do. <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, I think my experience with theatre and musical theatre definitely influences um, the way I write and the story that, that I decide to create with my lyrics. So I now kind of want to talk about um, the government announcement that came out earlier this week, which was essentially an estimated roadmap out of lockdown. Mm. Abby and I spoke about this already, but I was 10% ecstatic, 90% petrified. I know, I, well, I think I know why I feel like that. But Abby, I want to come to you first. Give me the 411. Why do you, I know why I feel like that, but why do you feel like that? Um, I think part of it is because I don't trust the government. <laughs> Um, and I'm slightly dubious of the dates and the plans. Um, and then part of it is I don't feel, not that I don't feel ready to go back to normal, but I'm anxious about it because it's, it's been such a long time of this new way of living. Um, obviously I'm excited to be able to go to the theatre and go and do the things I want to do, see my friends, hug my family and stuff. But part of me is just anxious about living a normal life again. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> and also, I'm quite an introverted person anyway. Um, but it's especially in the first lockdown, I was like, this is an introvert's paradise. Like, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. I don't have to see people I don't want to see. I can just lock myself away. And this is great. Um, and yeah, I think I really got used to that. Obviously, it's slightly different now because I have a lot more contact with people, especially like with work and stuff. Um, but yeah, with going back to a normal life when going to the pub with my friends and as much as I'm looking forward to it, I'm slightly anxious about it and also anxious about the possibility of going into theatre auditions and work. I feel very out of shape in terms of everything really to do with it. I like if someone said to me tomorrow, um, you've got to go in for this open audition, I probably wouldn't go is the reality of it because I just don't feel ready prepared. And obviously it's comforting that everyone is in the same position, grads or not, in that in that sense. Um, and obviously probably some people will have maintained uh, they're still level throughout, but I think a lot of people probably feel the same um, regarding that. We've never had a date before. Will that date change? Probably, but we've never been given a date before and it made everything for me feel very real. In my head, I was like, oh, this is just life now. Like this is, this is you know, you get up, you, it's a groundhog day, you do the same thing. You go on Instagram for a bit, go to bed, all day the thing you look forward to is going back to bed um and I think so much of the anxiety I'm feeling at the minute is purely theater based it's that feeling of being like oh my god you've had a year to sort yourself out and you've done nothing you could have been in the best shape of your life you could have been the best singer that's ever walked the face of this earth you could have learned a language you could have learned an instrument you could have been like this superhuman person and you've not done that you're not ripped yet you're not you know 
all this stuff and I think I am all, I'm already gearing up for this overwhelming sensation of guilt that I am going to feel when life is normal. And I feel like I've convinced myself that there's going to be some guy with a clipboard that makes us all line up. Being like, right, okay, show me your abs. And what language did you learn? And what instrument did you learn? And can you still belt? Like it feels like for the most part, especially for theatre people, it's been like a productivity contest. And I feel like Instagram and kind of this, this, there's a new phrase that's came out in the last six months, which I love. And it's called toxic positivity. And I love that term because it's such a thing. And it does sometimes, it does make you feel like shit. And I feel like seeing people online kind of getting on with things to such a um, kind of, uh, to to the extent where it feels like they're gloating. It's like, I don't know, I do feel like sometimes people can't afford to delete Instagram off their phone for a couple of days if they do feel like they need to step away from it. Um, but yeah, I do I do think there is a lot of anxiety around it, but I think, you know, it's a combination of actor anxiety and then real life anxiety as well, because I'm like, how do I how do I be a normal person anymore? How do I how does someone say to me, let's go for coffee? And I'm like, okay, let's where can we take that outside and not be seen sitting together like this type of thing chesney what do we think i'm ready to go um i'm feeling good to be honest um i'm I'm sort of feeling here for it like i'm looking at this june 21st and i'm going okay um it may happen it may not um sort of if we're going by you know the the because obviously that 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 date is being given alongside the the vaccination program if you sort of look at the way the vaccinations program's going it's sort of fits that date somewhat so I'm sort of quite optimistic at the idea that June 21st as a you know a, I know there's there's this whole sort of, sort of meme about it I guess at the moment everyone going see you on June 21st but it's like I understand where the positivity comes from and I'm sort of in that movement at the moment where um, I don't feel too negative about it I don't feel too anxious about anything I'm just ready to go out get stuff done and I think the, the one thing I think is that like with like auditions and stuff like that um, I understand the sort of anxiety of being like, oh yeah, um, we're not in shape. We're not, we've not done stretches for four months. Um, we haven't done a big you know, like cardio workout thing for a dance class or anything like that. But then like you say, no one has. And then as well, no one's forcing us to go to auditions. We don't have to, the second audition start, we don't have to be there. It, there's no like mandatory quota that we have to start auditioning the minute everything reopens. If we don't feel ready, we don't have to be there until we do. Um, and as well with, with, with your point, I think as well, Jordan, um, the fact that, you know, like there's this sort of like almost like a competition where we go like, okay, who's done this? Who's done this? There's a room of four of us here and none of us have done that. So like, I think it's, it's a lot more common that people have just taken this time to do what they want instead of doing what they, what they think they should do. But I think the main issue is that there is this guilt that the, the 5% of people that have been super productive have been so over the top and so in your face about it 
that it makes everybody else think that what they're doing is less than what they should be doing. Whereas I think when you look at the vast majority of people, we've all just been chilling for a year. We've all just been doing what we want to do, keep ourselves sane. And that is the most important thing, I think, in my opinion. Also, I just want to say, like, don't be fooled by what you see. Like, I'm a perfect example of this, right? I put two songs out um, in the space of two lockdowns. Someone on Instagram might see that and think, wow, that's really productive. Like, she's, she's managed to put two singles out in the space of two lockdowns. Like, good for her. Um, yeah, I guess it is good for me. Like, but also, that's something that I've been thinking about for, uh, you know, a really long time. And also, the days when I wasn't filming or recording, you know, those songs, I was just sitting on my sofa, you know? I was sitting on my sofa watching New Girl. Like, that's what I was doing. I know it's so it's so false I think what you see um you know on your phone when you're scrolling like just because you saw a video of someone um dancing doing a doing a dance routine or you saw um a video of someone singing in their bedroom with their mic set up like that would have taken about an hour for them to do maybe maybe longer um and the rest of the day they probably just weren't doing that much and I just I I feel like I want to use this podcast to make people realize like, it's so important that you remember that like never think that just sitting on the sofa is a bad thing especially with the year that we have had uh, kind of coming off that I feel like no one is going to put the bad shit on Instagram but I'm so glad when people do like if people listen to the episode that we did with um Joanna Johnson who went to Erdang the reason Joanna ended up coming on the podcast was because she had put a story up, like, and not like a close friend story, because me and jo- Joanna didn't really know each other that well. It was on her public story, basically being like, look, I'm not seeing anybody having a shit time, so I'm just posting my shit time. This is awful. I am not doing good. 2020 grads, like, it's great to see that these are all doing this stuff. I am not coping right now. And I, like, DM'd her straight away, being like, oh my god thank you and then two weeks later she was on the podcast it's like I loved that and it was so refreshing and it wasn't this perfectly wrapped package that was like what we're so used to seeing and what we've kind of been encouraged to be so that was for me that was like such a big thing and I was so thankful that she did that and I was like oh I wish more people would do that and I'm kind of hypocritical because I should probably do that more as well because sometimes by 10 a.m. I haven't even like been able to form a sentence. I'm just like, Ugh. Ugh. so it's like when people also put up them being like, Ugh. I'm like, oh, thank you, another. Ugh. So yeah, it's just it's nice, you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree, Jordan. Um, and going back to the 21st of June, I just think it's so important that we res- we respect that everyone has different thoughts and feelings towards that date, whether it happens or not. And that we should just, yeah, we should just respect that. Like we don't need to go against each other. You know, we should be supporting each other. And, and, and um, yeah, <laughs> cause I've seen stuff on, on social media recently and, and I just think, oh, is that positive? I don't think it is. You know, if, if someone feels that way, you know, if, if, if someone has anxiety towards things coming back to normal, that is so valid for them to feel that way. But also at the same time, if someone's planning their outfit for the club, 
like go girl do you know what I mean that me too you know like everyone can deal with it in, in whatever way they want and they shouldn't be made to feel as if uh, a certain way of dealing with it is wrong okay so speaking of coming out the other side Elsa I want to ask about your music and kind of like coming out the other side do you want to make that the priority now do you want to try to find a balance between both music and theatre like in your mind what's the the ideal scenario coming out and what's kind of the percentage between actor life and music life I think I enjoy um singer songwriting and and theatre for so many different reasons and I just think in this day and age like why why are we limiting ourselves if there's if there's one quality about you that um, complements another quality we put them together and use that as a selling point especially in our industry um, I, I just yeah I'm, I'm definitely not going to be putting like one on the side I'm not going to be um, focusing on one more than the other I'm just gonna yeah enjoy enjoy both of them and um, yeah I, I still oh my gosh I still love musical theatre so much and I, I, I genuinely can't wait until I I can start auditioning again. I, I'm going to be so uh, nervous and, and um, I'm going to be literally pooping my pants when I have to go to an audition again. But I, I'm so excited for it at the same time because you know, that's what I trained in for three years and I love th those kind of people that surround the arts. And yeah, I'm just so excited for it at the same time. So I, I would never want to lose that part of my life. Elsa, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you happen to have any dream roles that you would love to play? I mean, besides Sweet Charity. <laughs> yeah, besides Sweet Charity. Um, I have had one dream role since I was about, oh God, I don't know, 13? God. But my dream role like for life is to play Dot in Sunday in the Park of George. It's my favourite musical ever. And I just, oh my gosh, I've... If I ever play that role, like you heard it here first, guys, like I, oh my gosh, I will probably faint. I, I just, I love the show. I love the character. I just relate to it in so many ways. And that is my dream, dream, dream role. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think we've ever actually discussed our dream role on the podcast before. Do, uh, do either of you two want to chime in with what your, uh, with what your dream role is? Jordan, go on. Oh, um, I mean, one that comes to hit to my mind that is so generic and probably every other AMT guy will say it, but like Book of Mormon, Cunningham or Price, both of them, just, I'm like, vocally and the book of the show, everything, I'm like, oh, I would love to do that. I know that every other guy wants to do that. Um, Oh, there was, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Oh, Rent, anything in Rent. Preferably Roger, um, but anything in Rent. Mine is also very generic, but it's just always been my dream role. It's Alpha Baron Wicked. Yeah. I see, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lot more, um, I just don't really have a, a, like, specific role that I really, like, covet. I used to think, like, when I started at Trinity, I was like, oh yeah, I'll be Elder Price. But now I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to play Elder Price. So I think my sort of, I'd be happy enough, right? If I could just be one of the chorus boys in Mamma Mia, that'd be me sorted. I'd be happy enough with that. 
Yeah, we need to see that. We need to see Chesney doing that split jump. Like, I want to see that in my life. I have also said, because at some point during this year, there's an immersive theatrical Doctor Who event coming on in London. And I have told my agent already, if he doesn't get me seen for it, I'm leaving him. So Mitch, if, if you are listening, and I know, I know you're not, I know you don't listen to this, Mitch. If you are listening and I'm not seen for Doctor Who, uh, A Fracture in Time, or whatever it's called, bye-bye, I'm, I'm leaving the management company. Jersey Boys is another one I'd love to do. Jersey Boys, go on, Elsa. Yeah, a more generic one. I'm just thinking 100% Jenna, waitress, like, mm. in the future, can my prayers be answered, please? <laughs> I would just love to play that role one day. Oh, yeah. I feel like Jenna's a role that for girls that kind of have a voice that maybe sits more on, like, the pop rock MT spectrum rather than, like, coming from a classical background. Girls that kind of have a preference of more modern theatre and pop music. Jenna sits in a really, really nice spot for them because it kind of sits in that place where it is theatre, but obviously because Sarah Bareilles wrote the music, it is very, it just sits in a very nice, that happy medium between musical theatre and pop, it's like a really, really nice thing for those girls. And also you would do it very well. The last thing I want to ask, because it's fun, I want to hear three things that you are most looking forward to coming out the other side they can be really really simple things or they can be you know they can be intense okay um okay number one going to the pub (laughs) going for a drink um with my mates that would be very nice um number two going to either the theater or a concert oh my god like even thinking about it, it just makes, gives me like the heebie, do you know what I mean? I just get so warm inside thinking about it. Like I actually can't wait for that day when I could just be standing like in a crowd or sitting with people around me and we're just all just like, isn't this really cool? <laughs> and then number three, being able to hug my gran because oh, I've missed that so much. And just like giving people a hug in general. It's just mm. it's one of these things that you don't realize how much joy it gives you like it's just such a lovely thing yeah so that's my three mine would be definitely experiencing live theatre again um like you said with the with a crowd with a proper crowd because like obviously I've when we could I've been to see stuff with obviously social distancing is going to be a thing for a while but I'm looking forward to going to a packed out theatre where like you go to the bar and you can't move like that's what I want to experience again um and then second would probably be going to the gym again (laughs) um that's a big one um and number three is going on holiday I really want a holiday I just want to go to a beach somewhere and just for a week and just not move (laughs) um yeah you still obviously the gym that's that's number one priority i know um i can speak for jordan and abby when i know that's a that's a priority for us guys um i guess another one would be to to be able to go out with people and see people and not feel bad or have to lie about it because uh i'm not saying any of us did 
But during the before that um before the lockdown when it was like you can't go to the pub uh, with people outside of your household. Not saying anybody did, but I don't want to have to say, oh no, oh yeah, I live with these guys. Yeah, 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 it's not a problem. I just want to be able to go out, see who I want to see, do what I want to do. And then thirdly, it's just like to be able to just go and do something on a whim if I want to do it. Like if I want to just go to the rock climbing gym, I can go there. If I want to just go shopping in Oxford Street and it's not part of my daily exercise, I want to go and do that. Just to have the freedom to leave your house when you want to, not when you need to. That's, that's the dream. My three would be, I don't need to mention the gym now because Abby and Chesney have both mentioned it. Uh, for me, it is the first time seeing Come From Away again. Every podcast. It should, it should become like a drinking game. <laughs> How many times How many does times, yeah. mention Come From Away? Time it says come from away, take a shot of bleach. Um, number two would be, oh, do you see just going up to Pineapple Dance Studios like once a week, getting a coffee on the way out, doing a class, like that for me is like in the weird, in that weird middle ground where some things opened up but not everything opened up. I was doing like a self-care Sunday and on a Sunday I would go up to Pineapple, go to like a Sunday morning class get a coffee on the way back like that for me is like the best thing ever so being able to go to like a dance class again would be really really nice and the third thing saying to somebody meet me in Costa for a coffee rather than like let's hover outside Costa get our takeout and then go somewhere behind a wall maybe I just have dodgy friends um (laughs) but yeah, being able to like sit in a Costa for like a prolonged period of time and just chat shit instead of over Zoom. But yeah, guys, there we go. Elsa, give us first of all where we can find all of your music and then give us your socials. <laughs> okay. Um, you can find my, you can stream my new single, Heavy on Me, on Spotify and Apple Music. Um, and you can also find my other single, um, Honey High, also on Spotify and Apple Music. My Instagram at is at Elsa Grace Waterfield, and my Twitter at is at Elsa Waterfield. Couldn't get the grace in there, don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> Kelly, where can they find you on socials? I don't want to be Kelly. I know I've waited this long to say it, but let's be honest, I'm the Beyonce. The gloves anyway. are coming off. <laughs> Can, I, don't can we, know, can we I don't even know who Michelle is. So <laughs> right. can we can we talk about this at another time? Okay. You can find me sick. You can find me on all social media at Abby O'Neill17. Uh Instagram uh, at Forks Fitness underscore TikTok at Chesney on stage. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jordan E. E. Donnelly. Yes, Abby? Oh, I just had a question for Elsa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's on one today. (laughs) Um, Do you have any plans for any new releases anytime soon? Any more music singles coming? Ah, Abby. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) It's interesting you say that. No, um, I do, yes. Hopefully I shall be releasing an EP before summer so yeah there you go 
Uh, Tight Lads exclusive. They hold me to the summer part, maybe. <laughs> maybe. June twenty first, it's getting dropped. <laughs> yeah, June twenty first, it's dropping. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. Right now that Elsa's done stealing my thunder, I will repeat myself. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jordan E. E. Donnelly, and you can also find all updates on the podcast at tightlads underscore podcast. Guys, at the end of the day, this was the gap year that none of us wanted to take, but I think a couple of years down the line, we'll be glad we did. So, um, Elsa, Elsa, do you want to do our, our outro with us? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Perfect. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. Elsa, thank you for joining us. And in the meantime, stay Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, everyone. Cameron Abadi here, deputy editor at Foreign Policy. So when I think about economics podcasts, the words fun or exciting don't really come to mind. Then I started working with Adam Tooze. Readers of FP know Adam as an economic historian and a popular author. But he's more than that. In some ways, he's an encyclopedia about everything. How a big multinational like Ford or GM operates has a huge impact. On By 2018, life expectancy was 78 and a half. Where we Historically unprecedented increase in poverty. On each episode of Ones and Twos, Adam Twos and I will unpack several data points. I'm pretty sure you won't look at the world the same way. A-cash, 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 A-cash recommends. recommends.